I'm Toby M. Schreier, an artist and printmaker. I'm Corinne Cunningham, a writer. As siblings growing up together in Seacoast, New England, and now from opposite sides of the Atlantic, we've listened to and supported each other through the ups and downs of our artistic endeavors. We thought you might like to listen in to our conversations about creativity and process. And so we've created this podcast, Ink from the Embers, our musings on the roots and growth of creativity. We hope you enjoy listening in. Throughout the season, we've been asking our listeners for questions, and we've gotten a good little stack of questions in. So in this last episode of this season, we're going to answer them. Yeah. Do you want me to read the first one off? Sure. And then we'll kind of volley back and forth. Exactly. So this first question is from Erin Robert Singleton. And she says, hello, I've been meaning to send a message since I listened to your last episode in response to your call out for questions and comments from listeners. My question would be this, have or do the two of you take inspiration from each other and has that manifested itself in your work? My comment or response is this, I find it super challenging to really delve into and nurture my creativity when also playing the role of wife, mother, and house manager. I don't have my own studio space in the house, so everything has to be tidied away for meals, and I find that hard because I need to leave my mess out alongside my work so I can walk away from it, but come back to catch glimpses every now and again. It's this space in between my active doing part that's really important and allows me to reflect on the work whilst actually seeing it. When I have to pack all of my stuff away, it deprives me of this important process. I wonder if you experience similar circumstances. So a two-parter. Yes. Tackle the first part first. Sounds good. So, so yes. Do I take dir- do I take response? Do I take response? Do I take inspiration <laughs> from you and our relationship? Um, I'd say at first glance and directly, no, mm-hmm. just in the classic sense of inspiration of kind of subject matter or really the art itself, but mm-hmm. in that inspiration and support and having that creative exchange, that is such a huge part of my creativity, knowing that you are there and having our shared past as both creatives, as well as you as a sounding board, that is inspiring and very supportive and kind of gives me that drive knowing that someone else is there doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I would answer similarly that um, I think it's also watching your growth as an artist and watching your continued passion for art and creativity and how you've built a life around that um to me is very inspiring and a reminder that it's possible um and again that accountability factor like I think that that actually is a huge inspiration to keep going that if all of a sudden you'd be like hey Corinne are you still writing and I would be like no I, that would be a hard conversation that I would not want to have <laughs> <Yo. laughs> um, for many reasons. But knowing that you're there and encouraging and 
um, pushing as well in a, in that kind of necessary fashion that we as creatives need to be pushed and encouraged. Yeah. Um, that's super, super encouraging and inspirational as well. Yes. Um, so while I, although you never know, I mean, I could look at your life would make a great story. I'm just thinking about this yeah. right now, moving to Switzerland, creating a print store and a print shop. This could be some really good material. So yeah, feel, feel free. <laughs> it's, it's not patented. It's not copyrighted. I'm just living it. Okay. I might. I had not feel, thought about it, but actually. Yeah, feel free to use snippets. Go for it. Yeah. Hmm. Just be prepared that if you do start doing anything with printmaking or typography or any of that, your details will be controlled mercilessly. <laughs> I'm sure they will. It's like, th- this, this is not right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, Second part of the question. Did any of that resonate with you? Yes, very much so. Um, And kind of on on a few different levels. It's Mm -hmm. at this point in time, I am so privileged and I am so thankful to have my studio space where I can leave my projects more or less out and about. I can leave that inspiration tacked to the wall. I can mix up my inks and cover them with cellophane and come back in three days and continue mixing. So that is a huge part of my process is to have that. uh, I think we've talked about that physical to-do list of Mm -hmm. these are the projects that I'm working on right now. I can touch them because I know that the projects that I are not touchable that are not a part of this physical list, they don't get worked on. Right. And I do know that problem, especially with music, actually, because I have all of my instruments and music stuff at home, which is a very small two-room apartment. So I do have to put them away. And so it's much harder to, okay, pull out the pedal board, plug in this thing, plug in that thing. Oh, where where is the, uh, the amplifier? Oh, pull that out. Crap, where's the plug? And so there's that lead time where you do have to, you can't just jump right in. And that is a barrier. And I noticed that it's like recently I pulled the amp further out away from the wall. So I don't have to wedge myself between a chair to get to it. So that's great. I play more. I'll have to put it back as soon as we have guests over because you don't have room. Mm -hmm. That's just part of life. And it's, I'm not going to complain about that, but knowing there's that rub I always have those questions of what can I do to make this easier? Can I, you know, actually make myself a pedal board rather than having them all loose in a box? Yeah, that would help. Okay, make it easier to just plug and play. That's something that I've worked on with different processes over the years, trying to make it so that it's easier for me to get to work. Mm-hmm. Even when I do have to fold things away. It's like when I read that question, I had these visions of like, oh, I've seen these like fold out desks where you have this box on the wall and you fold the out the clipboards to the sides and fold it down. It's like, oh, I want to build that for her. Because <laughs> um, maybe that would help, but it doesn't make sense for me to build it in Switzerland and ship it. But So yes, I sympathize. I understand. And I feel really, really privileged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what absolutely. about with yourself? Because you 
you have an office now. That's pretty new. It it is. Um, it's pretty new. I have not been using it. Um, Lucas has had a lot, a lot of meetings this oh. last week or so. He's his work is kind of ramping up for a little bit of time, and um, I mean all day meetings. Like ugh, it just makes my head hurt thinking about how many meetings he's been in. Um, and he has to participate in them greatly. Yep. And so I have been getting up either first thing in the morning and writing. It's also cold in the office where there's okay. a lovely fireplace in the other room. So yeah. as I'm, it's a first draft right that I'm working on right now. And I really only need my laptop. So I'm able to just take the laptop into the room with the fireplace and sit and write, and it works well. Um, for later stages, that does not work out mm-hmm. as well because, you know, you have drafts that you need to spread out. You have research to do, whatever. Um, but this question really it reminded me of when my kids were really little and um, – and it was more challenging to leave stuff around because they could get into it or yeah. just the idea that there are so many other roles to play as well. Yes. Yes, I definitely. think that that specifically has been on my mind a lot recently as you know, the kids are, it's different when they're smaller, but teenagers are a whole other, it's a whole other ball game um, with parents next door now that's a whole other ballgame and different roles to play. Um, yeah, so I definitely have experienced that kind of that challenge of making space for creativity and for keeping that that role at, of a creative person protected and alive yeah. and well. And I know that for me, it's just, I am absolutely no fun to be around when I don't do that. And so that's kind of what I have to keep in mind is I'm a better mom, friend, wife, daughter, all of these things. I'm a better person when I honor that creativity within me and, or yeah, when I honor my creative work and make time for it. Yeah. And the other part of that is keeping expectations um, realistic because in some seasons, in some days, realistically, that creative work is, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day. It's not yeah. super lengthy, which goes back to her initial, like, how do you, you know, to keep everything out, to keep it fresh, to keep it. Um, I think she's a visual artist. Yes. and. So to have all of your stuff out and make that worthwhile when you're only spending a little bit of time a day, like to justify that is difficult. Um, I have no answers. I mean, it's not really a question to have answers to, but just I understand and respect that it's a challenge um, and can only say that you really, if you can do whatever you can do, to make any of that feel okay and to make any of that feel honored and any of that feel accessible, like do it um, however you need to in this season. And it won't always stay this way. I can almost guarantee that um, circumstances always change. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Does that yeah. make sense? It, it does. It does. That's somewhere in the back of my mind. This applies much less to a family life. But I remember, again, my story with laundry, tricking myself into good habits yeah. of, you yeah. know, once I've done my wash, making sure that I put the sheets at the bottom of the bin so that so when I wanted to go to sleep that night, I needed to fold my laundry. Mm-hmm. It's tricking yourself into good habits. And again, finding not things to, like you said, to make you honor that, but yeah. to also make it easy to honor that. That's, that is so independent is the wrong word. Individual is the right yeah. word. It's such yeah. an individual thing. But uh, Absolutely. This is... Uh, not a very dynamic dialogue right now with the person who asked this question. They wrote a question and we're talking about it, but yeah. if if you out there are looking to have more active dialogue, I'm sure both of us would be happy to engage. That's with here. the rest of our listeners for ideas and just I, to talk. I, yes. I actually, our mother had a suggestion at one point. I was kind of at that same point where I was like, I just, I want to be able to leave my stuff out to be able to work on, to be able to see, like, to have one of those, like, walls where you can plaster pages and have, like, strings going to each one and yep. connect dots and all of that kind of stuff. And um, and I remember her saying, like, can you make a board, they like a tabletop thing, like they do for puzzles, right? Yep. And lay it all on there and then put it under your bed when you're done. That's and now that I'm thinking, like maybe that could help, Aaron. I don't know. That could also the other thing. I know this is hard with paints, and thank you for that because yeah. this had come up, and then I forgot about it because I'm distractible. Is one of the things I did in my studio is I painted my walls with magnetic paint. What I did. Yeah, so when I hang my prints, I don't frame them. I just hang them on the wall with magnets. I rem- now, I, now I remember you telling me that before. But as I shared the studio space with my wife, and that is her office, the walls around her computer often get covered with plans, maps, mm. all sorts of things. And having that, I don't want to say that walls are a dead space, but... If you have a wall space that you're allowed to paint, I don't know if they own rent or whatever, but to be able to cover part of it with magnets or corkboard or something, to be able to hold up your work so it's still visible and potentially out of the reach of tiny hands, Mm -hmm. that's another way that you can shape your environment to help your creativity. Yeah. Now I'm going to think about magnetic stuff I can in the really office. recommend it. It is not cheap, yeah. but if you don't buy it at Home Depot or something, look for specialist magnet suppliers. They usually sell it in larger amounts for cheaper. Because wow. normally in home, home repair places, home improvement stores, yes. um, they sell it in like really little containers to paint like a frame, mm-hmm. but I have like a five liter bucket. Wow. Did it did it go up differently? Like, did it take longer to dry? Uh, it did not take longer to dry. It took shorter to dry because it was mm. not... Um, it's not water-soluble. It is solvent-soluble. So do use it in good, well-ventilated areas. And you wow. need, like, count on doing four 
layers at least. Five layers would be better. Wow. To really get enough iron particles on the walls so that your magnets hold your papers up. I can mm. highly recommend it. It is really handy. I did not think I would use it beyond just displaying my work, but to be able to tack up a note on the wall. It's just so easy to. It's like, oh, here's a draft of something that I'm using for reference. It's on the wall. So you can really have your creative space and yeah, it works well. That's a really cool idea. Okay. So we happy with... I think we can move to the next question. Would you like to read the next one? Sure. So this is from Jenny Hawkins. Hi, Toby and Corinne. I love your podcast and the conversations you share. I've been soaking up your thoughtfulness. It's a balm to me. Jenny, thank you. My question is related to this phenomena I experience when working on a project. While creating, I get the sense that I am the observer and the observed, the maker and the judge, and I toggle between two modes. So there is the one who is doing the making of the thing, and the other that is managing the directions through critical thinking and value adding. The maker cannot create freely at the same time the critic is working, but both seem to be an important part of the process. I recently allowed my critic to get me past the threshold of my writing closet, in brackets, I work under the stairs in my house, and brackets, because she wanted to change something that I, the artist, had made the day before. I am a writer working on my first novel, and I wonder if this ever happens to either of you, whether writing or printmaking. If you allow your inner critic to lead the way, how does that feel? If you are able to lead artist first, how does that go? Thank you so much for inviting your readers to ask questions. I'm looking forward to future episodes. Jenny Hopkins. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I... The critic and the artist have, in my mind, different roles to play. And making sure that they kind of stay in their lane is important to me in, as I'm writing. Um Critic really doesn't have a whole lot of space while I'm doing early drafts. They kind of get to sit out for that time period. Mm -hmm. Um, Where they do come into play is probably if I'm not showing up at the page. And so kind of like she was saying, you know, she allowed her critic to get her past the threshold of the writing closet. Like they push you into. So I definitely understand that, that more critical thinking part. Um, but but I don't really allow it into that first draft. It has a good role to play in editing. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's great for revision. Um, but at the same time, now that I'm thinking about it, and I did think about these questions before, they, they are part, a good part of the process. But I also... The maker and the judge. I'm struggling with those words because, and I just had a conversation with, a big conversation with my daughter about this. Um, We were talking about, you know that phrase, um, better, it's better done than perfect or something, or better done than, I mean, there's a phrase in Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic that she talks about her mother used to say, better done than good. And this came up in in a class that Paige and Finn are taking, and Paige 
was like, I do not believe that. That is not something that I believe in. If it's not up to my standards, why would I want to put that out into the world? And so we were talking about taste and are we really able to fairly judge our own work? Mm -hmm. And that is something that Paige was like, yes, I can. (laughs) I was like, really? Can you though? (laughs) And so in terms of, you know, the phrasing that Jenny's using, you know, the observer and the observed, the maker and the judge, that's, as I'm kind of talking this out, like more and more, I'm like, the judge doesn't really have a place for me in my creative process, because I do firmly believe that I am not a good judge of my own work. Yes. That's my own personal belief. Um, I've worked with Jenny a lot. She's such a philosophical type person that, um, this question, these questions did not surprise me from her. Um, and I love how she thinks about these, these topics and creativity. Um, and I can see how they do have different roles for her, but for me, you know, I really try to limit that judge from being a part of my process, even, even in editing, like, the critic has a little bit more to do, like I said earlier, with editing and revision because yes. that's a better place for them um, than in the initial creating stages. But still, I still have to kind of limit their their say. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah. So it's, again, there were a lot of really loaded words in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, judge, critic, maker, and artist. These are all have so many deep and varied connotations there. But when looking at my own creative process, um, a lot of those, it's like when one thinks about a critic, okay, I can critique my work. There is a critique in what works and what doesn't. But then there's also the idea of the external, the art critic. Well, is this good or is this bad? They take Mm -hmm. on the role of that judge or what works in the market or the society. Those are two very different roles, even though they use the same word. And I really try to keep those in mind, especially where in my work, there's such a large technical aspect that when I'm creating, I'm very free in some aspects, but I'm also in full analytical mode and a full critique mode of Hey, stimmt das? Is it right? Did I draw mm-hmm. that correctly? Are these proportions right? Do I need to measure that again? Or from a technical aspect with drawing, watercolor, printmaking, what order do I do these in? This didn't work right. How do I get this to function? Oh, is this going in the direction that I wanted it to? Oh, these colors aren't quite where I felt it. How do I correct that? So there's a very active play in my work between that technical critique, that technical analysis, and the creative work. Those really play hand-in-hand in a dialogue. But then there's also that, is it good? Mm-hmm. And that's a very different question, because I have stuff on my walls that I, I don't like so much. They sell well. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad, but it doesn't speak to me right now. It's not the most inspired. It doesn't reach me. Man, other people feel that. Okay. 
or the work that I feel is really important to me. It's just, it stays on the walls and collect dust and dust and I feel good about it and no one buys it. No one looks at it. Okay. What's good? It's what touches one person, what touches another person. Having that kind of dispassionate judgment, so to speak, of value is, it is worth considering Mm -hmm. if you're creating for an audience other than yourself. If you are your only audience and you're creating just for yourself, the judge has no place other than does it make you feel good? Right. Or does it, is it a catharsis of some kind? Does, is this creation providing a value to you? When you start getting into creating for an audience, there are the questions of, will other people like this? Will other people respond to this? And these are not bad questions to ask. They are purpose questions. But it's not a value on the work itself. It's a question more on how that work is achieving an external goal. Right. And it's like, okay, I wanted to create a sweet picture. Why? Well, for laughs and something small, sweet, easy to sell and colorful. Great. Cool. It met those goals. Do I feel bad about that print? No. Is it my favorite print? No. The story makes me laugh. But it's taking that external judge and taking it for an external view and taking it with that grain of salt so it doesn't necessarily influence the creativity side. It might influence the analytical side of creativeness. I really break that up into those three sections. There's that, I don't want to say that pure creative spirit, that technical analysis, Mm -hmm. and the purpose analysis I don't want to say the judgment analysis, but is this achieving its goal? What is its goal? Is there a goal? And it's, there is a play, but I think if you, if it's not mediated by that technical aspect, perhaps Mm -hmm. that can be really crippling because you can't get past the, is this good? Is it bad? Or also for me, it's like, oh man, I've had some technical failures or just the, this doesn't meet technical standards. It's a cool idea. I dig the idea. And that idea would be great for the intended purpose. But there's a technical failure in the middle. This isn't printing up to standards. Mm-hmm. Shod. Nothing I can do about that. I can try it again. But it's kind of the, that's a failure on one part. The other two right. would be fine. And letting one say this whole idea is crap. That's, it's kind of yeah. compartmentalizing and analyzing things in multiple dimensions at the same time which is really hard to do abstractly but also where creative practices are so personal it's hard not to take any mm-hmm. hitches glitches or problems personally yeah to that really was, feel those that was going to be my thing like to keep that separate from like because we've had conversations before about making judgments on the art versus the artist, yes, you know, and keeping those separate. I think that when you start getting into the critic and judging and all of this, especially as a writer for Mm -hmm. me, like it is very hard for me to keep a good headspace around those things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, I have to keep, 
thinking my circumstances where I have my work up on the wall for people to see. Mm -hmm. I've been to many art critiques where my own judgment is invalidated Mm -hmm. and other people's judgments are repeatedly invalidated Mm. in that someone will come and say, oh man, contrast on this really sucks. I mean, you can't see it. This is why would, why is this on your wall? Mm. And that same piece is, I was like, oh man, the contrast in the other ones is like, it's obvious what it is. There's no mystery there. This one you can barely see. It draws you in. This is the one that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. It's like both are valid right. and both are invalid. Having that experience so close at my fingertips has been very, very helpful in that I don't feel good about this right now. Oh man. It's like, okay, well, printing quality, is it okay? Yeah. Idea wise, is it okay? Yeah. Like, and all of them are even just okay. Okay. There's no outright, this just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, the paper is, is dissolving. <laughs> I mean, as long as you don't have like a physical failure. <laughs> yeah. There's. Right. As long as it's meeting those structural standards in whatever the media is, there is a chance. I mean, unless it's just like, this is so horrible for me and this is not something I want my name associated with because right. of content, because of whatever. But even then, it's like, there are pictures made in a different time of my life that I don't explain what that picture's about. It's irrelevant to people. I know what it is, and I don't like that piece because of it. But other people mm-hmm. love it. So I had to cut that off. I've had to cut off my own personal judgment. Yeah. And that's okay, and that's healthy. Mm-hmm. I got very passionate and rambly there for a moment. No, not at all. I think that that's, um, those are really good things to remember. And it goes, it goes back to that. Any story can touch anybody. Like you never know mm-hmm. who that story is going to touch or who your work is really intended for until after the fact. Mm-hmm. And people will connect with, I mean, you never know what people will connect with. I think yeah. that's the thing because we're all living you know, it's shared existence, but completely different experiences. And once the, once the piece is out of our hands, it kind of takes on a, a, a life of its own. And our thoughts about it don't really matter quite so much. Yeah. I actually wanted to jump back to the question because there was another part of the question that our mutual rambling didn't quite adjust or, or didn't adjust, address. Didn't cover. Ugh. At least my brain is sticking with alliteration. All of my words are starting with the right letter, even if it's the wrong word. We'll stick with it. That's okay. That was how it feels if you start with the critic or if you start with Mm. the artist or the maker. Yeah. Um, For me, they feel similar in a pattern wise in that each one sets up a framework and then I have to make it work in the other framework as well. Mm. because if I have this idea, I was like, oh man, I've just, I've got this image in my head. I've got it there. I have that to pass it through that analytical side, so to speak of the, okay, what do I have for materials? What medium does this work work in? So I'm already problem solving and fitting it into boxes, so to speak. It sounds bad, but it's, there's a very physical reality of, okay, I've got this idea 
and it's developing, how do I execute it? And how do I bring it to my audience? So it's kind of, ooh, there's this idea. How do I make it meet this? Right. As kind of paths for that creativity to flow into. On the other side, you can look at it from, okay, I'm out of cloth bags. So I had to buy cloth bags. And now I have 500 cloth bags of two different sizes. And I need to print something on them. Okay, what would be a good idea for this? Okay, it has to be this size. It has to be work in black and white. It has to do this. It has to do this. Oh, they're bags, so it should be sweet. So it's setting up all these criteria, kind of the editor-first mode of, Mm -hmm. here's your brief, make it work. And then, oh, what fits in there? Working from one side to the other. Mm -hmm. And it's exploring those paths is, it does have a different feel, but it's it's a similar puzzle. Yeah. It's I mean, if you want to look at it from a Sudoku way, it's whether you're looking at it from one of one square or if you're looking at rows and columns, it's really kind of the same process, just in a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's on good days, that's how I would describe it. On bad days, I can swear at either process. So Right, right. right. For 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 reasons that vary with the day. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I my my initial response to that is or not to your response to the question is if I allow my inner critic to lead the way, um which is kind of what happens if I don't write first thing in the morning. Yep. Um I'm thinking too much about writing as I'm writing and it literally takes 3 times as long yep. to write the same amount of words like um i think a, a good example is if i'm up at 5 30 in the morning i can get through a thousand words in less than an hour if i'm to do that like the kids have been working on projects writing projects as well and so we'll have like writing time in the morning or we'll all sit down together and um and just have a writing room kind of situation and um, it will take me three hours to do that same amount of work because, and it's not because the kids are distracting me. It's because my brain is too much in the work for mm. this type of work. Um, yeah. So it, it feels slow and stilted and jarring and it does not feel, um, feel the same way as if I were just to lead as a creative, as an artist and be in the flow. Um, Yeah. It feels much more jarring and the opposite of flow. Yes. Yeah. Stow. Is that what it would be? Stow. Yeah. Traffic. Oh yeah. 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 There's a lot of traffic jams in my brain when I allow the critic to, um, to lead. Yeah. Yeah. We're ready to move on to the next question. I am. You're up for reading this one off, if I remember correctly, or can keep track of things. This is from Kelly DePew, who is a novelist and author. Um, And she asks, what is the hardest part of the creative process for you or your biggest creative challenge? And how do you get through it? Hmm. (laughs) 
So I, I'm actually going to jump on this because yeah. it's actually getting into and playing into your response to the last part. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the times the hardest part for me is sitting down to do it mm-hmm. and just getting out of my own way because I can turn myself in circles very quickly thinking about a project and never leave that circle of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are so many parts of like, well, what should I do for subject matter or what technique or what this and what this. And I can rationalize that this is all very important planning time. Uh, yes. And planning time is important, but eventually you need to stop planning and just do it. And it's very easy for me to get stuck in my own head mm-hmm. in all of my life. So that is just a big challenge of for me and my creative process on a regular basis just stop thinking about it stop planning just do it how do i overcome that it's really self-care mm-hmm. in, in the broadest sense you know get enough sleep eat well make sure that i'm in a good shape mentally to get there so i don't because the bad mental health circles i have follow that same pattern. So if I am in a bad mental health place, I am predisposed to that pattern at that Mm -hmm. time. So if I'm turning around in my head in my life, I will do that in my art as well because my brain is already turning left all the time. And I was like, okay, well, you can just go straight or even turn right for once. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And all those things we've talked about repeatedly for good self-care and good mental health, having a good support network, having people that can kind of say, hey, Toby, stop turning left. Mm-hmm. That's really, seems really short. Short. Yeah. But uh, that's that's how I would describe my, my hardest part in a nutshell. Yeah. What yeah. about for you? <laughs> I, I Honestly, similarly, it's getting out of my own way and getting down and doing the work. It's that and it's... Um, self-confidence in the work. I think those are, those are the biggest challenges for me. Um, kind of falling back on the, like, I'm always thinking, not always, but a lot of times I'm thinking like, why do I want to do this? It'd be so much easier if I didn't. Um, and so I'm constantly having this battle in my own head about like, you could just give it up. Yeah. (laughs) You could just stop and then, you know, believing in myself enough to kind of tell that voice to stop. Yeah. Be like, no, this is important to me. And so, yeah, I don't enjoy that whatsoever. That's why, you know, it's a big challenge. And how do you get through it? I think it's just persistence and showing up little bits at a time until some something bigger grows of it, whether it's your practice or your project starts to get big enough where it's like it would really suck to stop this because it's so far and you're so far into it and so invested um but it is i think my biggest challenges are all mental like it's all Mm -hmm. myself um and i think that's you could probably talk with a bunch of creatives and i bet that that would be a similar thread through it all is um belief and self-worth and 
it is that that mental struggle. Um, and I appreciate what you're saying about um, self care in the broadest sense. And you know, I'm in a place that right now I really need that reminder. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, thinking about how to how to take care of myself so that I can show up for that um, creativity for my work a little bit better. Um, cause it is hard to do when you're sleep deprived, when yeah. you're not eating well, when you're, you know, you can't show up to life that way for very long, <laughs> exactly. let alone your work. Um, so yeah, I really think that those are the biggest challenges. It's kind of that odd too. paradox of what is the biggest problem? Me. It is. What is, what is the, the solution? Being me. more of me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and at that, at those points where you're feeling like that's the biggest struggle, the last thing you want to do is spend more time with yourself Yeah. to figure out this way, but it's necessary. Um, yes. It's necessary. Yeah. It's, you're right. It's so strange to be like, you are your biggest problem and this, you're also the solution and you want to not be in your head so much, so you have to spend more time with yourself to figure out those. It is. It's like God. I really just <laughs> want to break from myself sometimes. It's like we talk about turning around in circles, or I was just talking yeah. about this. But no, no, this is a good circle. This is a good recursion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kelly, actually, she has a book of affirmations for writers as mm-hmm. well. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Uh, you have not mentioned that on this podcast, but I, I have seen it on her Instagram. Oh, follow, I can't believe Follow I her haven't. Instagram. Her Instagram is fantastic. And we'll, in the show notes, we'll link to um, to everyone's social media um, because, because they're all writers and artists and creatives um, who deserve a little bit more attention. Um, that Kelly's book on affirmations for writers goes into – um, how to come up with your own affirmations and how helpful they can be and why and kind of the brain the brain stuff behind it. It's not all this woo-woo stuff. It's actually helping to break down those um, critical thoughts about, or not critical, negative thoughts yeah. um, you have. And so I highly recommend her book. It's a quick read, uh, but it's really, really useful. And I should dig it out and... Um, reread it this week for this weekend there is one more question there is one more question this is from jenny booth for both of you what is your favorite step phase of your creative process and what is your least favorite similar but really kind of heads off in a different direction from the last question yeah yeah um i could say um Every part, this is, this is so awful. Every part of it could be a favorite and least favorite, depending on the day. Truly. Because, you know, first drafts, I love because of that discovery aspect. I also loathe because you're just pulling stuff out of thin air and sometimes it's maddening. Um, Revision can be fantastic because you connect dots and again, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, this is, you're crafting something that you have already made and making it into its best self. You know, you're making it into something that's even better and more yeah. readable. And, um, 
that there can be a lot of joy in that for sure. But it's also frustrating um, and hard to see the forest for the trees or whatever yeah. the saying is. Um, and sometimes you're too close to it and it's, it can just slog through. So, I mean, really it all, it just depends on the day. I think, yeah. what do you think? Um, a question before I get to my thoughts, yeah. have you, is there a part of your creative life slash, uh, writing career, so to say that you haven't found a silver lining for that you just, uh, this, Oh, getting feedback, okay. not feed, not feedback, getting like, um, well, no, cause even that, no, okay. no, yep. no, what parts do it? Is there a part that I getting somewhat negative comments? Mm-hmm. I dislike that. I don't have any silver lining for that. I have one. Review There's no silver still... lining for jerks. Yeah, there's one review that sticks out in my head that's like, man, I still think about that one, and I still disagree with it. <laughs> and I, and I, I have a lot of feelings about it. Um, so yeah, that I don't. Okay. Yeah. Because really, I mean, any, it's all information. Mm-hmm. Like most parts of the creative process are all information. Yeah. And. There's good and bad about all of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever saw that as like finding a silver lining. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. What is my least favorite part? I'll start with that because uh, I was just mm-hmm. doing it earlier today. Putting together <laughs> course calendars for workshops. Oh. I freaking hate that. Um, it's completely benign. It's not that hard, but it's putting together this calendar and it's like hoping that it works with other people's schedules, hoping it works with my schedule. It's, I just hate it. I just hate it. That's not really directly related with creativity. That's more definitely on the business plan side of things, mm-hmm. but I hate it. But getting back to the, oh, sorry. No, I was just saying, <laughs> but that's, that's honestly part of it. I hadn't really considered, I wasn't considering the, like the admin part of yeah, creativity uh, and taxes taxes work. are fun yeah yeah that's i can't find a silver lining in some of that stuff like website design and all yeah. of that yeah it's I, I i did or website design website updates it's a pain in the ass mm-hmm. every now and then there's that cool oh i made this look good right there are those those can be nice but shipping mail orders eh. is it oh cool i sold something I have to print labels. I have to find packing materials. It's like it's it's admin and busy work. Mm-hmm. Getting more into the kind of the creative part of my favorite step or phase, I would really describe as emergence mm-hmm. when something is coming out. When that's the drawing kind of comes together, or the watercolor, or that layer is like, oh, it's dimensional now. Now it looks like a bird rather than. I was going to say a coup flawed in a cow dung pile. <laughs> it's like at a certain when, when it leaves the potato phase right. and turns into whatever it is you're working on, or 
with printmaking, you have that first pull where you peel the paper up and see your image printed for the first time. Mm. Those times where your idea is becoming a reality. And that there are kind of those touchstone moments where that happens or where it really, oh, this feels like something now. This has entered a different stage of its existence. I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I would say that is my favorite part of the creative process is that feeling of emergence. And that can come up in many different forms. Or it's like even when you're teaching workshops, when you see someone get it, that moment of blossoming that, oh, it mirrors from left to right when I print it. It's like, yes, it does. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seeing those light bulb moments in other people. That's also part of it. That whole, that emergence, I think. Yeah. And with that, that least favorites is uh, that long, dark tea time of the soul between that spark of an idea and when you get into the flow of it, it's kind of yeah. like, I have this idea and it's just not entering that flow state for any yeah. reason. And that's shtow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. it happens. I mean, that could be part of, yeah, it's just where the, the flow is interrupted and it's just that jarring grind to a halt of, oh yeah, this is work. Right. That's part of it. It's work. That's not bad. But sometimes where you just, you have to slam on the brazely. Oh yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. In broad strokes, that is uh, how I would describe it. Yeah. Yeah, man, you got me thinking now because I was thinking so specifically about probably because that's where I am. I was thinking so specifically about it. Like, honestly, we were talking about emergence and stuff. I think my absolute favorite part is seeing something finished. I think, you know, seeing something finished and connecting with readers. I think those two things are pretty phenomenal. Um, And yeah, yeah. My brain is so stuck in this drafting phase and like, what's next? Like, I can't even think about outside of that a book can be finished what i know <laughs> there's publishing at the end of this what madness what kind of craziness is that um so thank you for for going on and talking about other parts of the process other than the actual doing because i'm just so in there um because connecting with readers is pretty fantastic yeah. and yeah. having your work connect with someone um and have them have a relationship with it of itself, you know, that's really phenomenal. And I do think that that is one of my favorite parts of the process. And it is part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Interacting with and seeing the impact of your work on your audience is, yeah, it's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. I mean, I, again, just little stories with, you know, the rubber stamps in my window that the kids always come look at or like the one kid is like, hey, are you going to do a deer? My best friend really likes deer and their mm-hmm. birthday's next month. <laughs> it's like, okay, this isn't a contract work, but I think there could be deer in the window for next month. Right. Which is the, ah, oh, they have enjoyed that and they want more. Yeah. Okay. 
I'll give you more. <laughs> That's a huge motivation, it right? Is. Knowing that it somebody is. wants to wants more of your work. I mean, that's yeah. that's a pretty special feeling. And it's like for me that is so nourishing in yeah. that rubber stamps I sell them for peanuts. This is not a fiscal gain at mm. all. It's just for pure, pure pure joy. And adults love them, kids love them. And with pictures, that's a huge feeling for me when someone comes in and says, ooh, this is a great picture. I mean, I had someone come in and look at a picture. I was like, oh, man, this is this is like a picture of God for me. Wow. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, all right. I mean, I was just drawing a, a great heron. Mm. But uh, if that's mm. what that says for you, that's really touching. I really thought it was touching. Wow. I didn't buy it. But wow. still, it was touching. <laughs> right, 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 right. Wow. And that's, but yeah, that's that feedback and seeing people enjoy and be engaged with it is. Yeah. It's, it is, that is rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. But what's interesting for me, it's this, it might just say something about me, but it, it still doesn't touch that, that first peel of the print. That yeah. act of discovery. Yeah. That, I mean, that says a great deal in a very healthy mindset for an artist that mm -hmm. you get the most satisfaction out of the work itself and not yeah. people's thoughts about it um, and interactions with it. I mean, yeah. that's huge. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I didn't realize that as I was saying that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah. Thank you for all of those questions, listeners. Yes. That was where it's interesting to see where people go as they listen to and interact with what we've put out in the world and yeah. what they want to know more about. That's, you know, seeing other people's thoughts, thought processes, struggles, joys, triumphs, and swearing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would be um, also curious to hear if listeners have any hopes for what we do next season. Yes. Because I think that is not some we have, we are planning on coming back for a third season. Yes. But we have not really discussed what third season will hold. <laughs> no, there is an amorphous, nebulous cloud of ideas that have been tossed back and forth since yeah. before we actually went on the air with season one. But what the future holds exactly is a mystery. It is. That's, uh, I'm excited to see what emerges from that mystery. Haha. <laughs> Um, Me too. Yeah. All right. Until next season. Until next season, everyone. Ciao. Thanks for listening. Feel free to subscribe with your preferred podcast platform. You can connect with us using Instagram and Twitter and find out more information on us at our website. All links are shared in the show notes. All content, including music, audio, and rambling, is created by us, Corinne and Toby, at Inc. from the Embers.